again to episode 78 of Gillen Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast. I, as ever, am Roscoe and I'm joined once again by my dear friend and most bodacious of colleagues, Mr. Gil Rokotansky. Gil, how the devil are you, my friend? I'm very good. How are you? I can't believe we've been doing this for 78 weeks without a break. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's something to be said about that. Yeah. Um, so we haven't podcasted in probably, is it a, well, it's not a year, it's probably about nine months or something in that kind of order. Yeah, the divorce was quite messy. It was a messy divorce, <laughs> but thankfully we're through it and we can, you know, we're, we're staying together for the sake of the kids. Um, I just couldn't handle your racism. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Welcome, once again, <laughs> welcome to yet another episode of Gil and Roscoe's Potatious Horror Podcast. Gil, have you been up to anything in the nine-month hiatus? Has there been anything notable happened in your life or anything exciting? Uh, <laughs> I got a PS4 and I went to see Star Wars. <laughs> and you also had a little baby. Uh, I knew I was forgetting something. I had a little baby. There we go. So congratulations, Gil. You're now officially somebody's father. Yes, I am. Is... I'm now officially responsible. That's an astonishing factor, Rooney. Um, the change has been astonishing. It has been astonishing. It's been very nice to see, and I'm very proud of you, and it's very awesome. So good good on you, man. <laughs> I'm almost a fully functioning human being. Well, almost. 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 Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't want to overstep my bounds. Yeah. It's kind of, it's it's a semi. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm thumbing myself into life. <laughs> uh-huh. So, no, congratulations, man. So, Emily was born um August. August, absolutely. So, that's yeah. very awesome. So, congratulations. <laughs> Seven months ago. I know. It's, it's fluent. Seven. It has. Probably not for the listeners who will have been... <laughs> Just distraught. Well, absolutely. And uh, on that note, I want to say thank you very much to everyone who's continued to listen to episodes. It's been very uh, nice to see people continuing to download episodes and dropping us occasional comments every now and then, asking us when we'll be back and so on. It's really nice to nice to get that. And it's, um, you know, really, really cool. And we really do appreciate it. So, yeah, thank you very much, and hopefully people will still uh, have an interest in hearing what we have to say. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... Hopefully... What about you? Yeah, man. I'm... Actions within the hiatus. Actions, yeah. I've obviously been writing my, my thesis, and I've just uh, completed that at the end of January. So just now, um, just now getting back into into life and getting on with get on with real life and um probably most importantly uh, uh 
asked my uh, my beautiful girlfriend Katrina to marry me, and thankfully she said yes. So that's uh, probably my biggest news, and it's the um, something that's very very much looking forward to. And um, the other uh, probably. <laughs> the other thing that I should say is that my oh you know you sound all flustered you look oh well, you're a wee school no, no, you're a wee school boy it is it's amazing and she's lovely yeah she is man she is and she's uh... tell the tell the listeners all about now, give you some music <laughs> no there'll be no further no further information um, oh other than that I've made a very poor choice for my best man. <laughs> so um my best man at my wedding is going to be the one and only Gil Ian Alan Rokotansky. Um yes. so You know that you're allowed more than one best man. I think you should have five. I'm not gonna have any more than one. No, it's on you. No, I think you should have five. And I don't think I... listen, I'm quite a low maintenance groom. I don't think we're gonna be enlarging it in Ibiza somehow. Yeah, but I think at speech time it would be nice if the five best men all combined <laughs> like a... into like a giant <laughs> robot. Oh god, five part harmonies. Yeah, right. That sounds good. That sounds lovely. Very good. So, so Gil, you've got. I, I couldn't help but notice that you've got some novelty sound effects there. I do. I decided that it was time to ante up. So are we going to be a, a popular <laughs> breakfast no. radio show from now on? No, it's okay. That's I, I don't think that we would suit that fashion. No? <laughs> this is the worst thing ever. Don't worry, I won't. You will? You absolutely will. Do you know what it is? I feel like so much more in touch with my stupid idiotic side because well I, I blame it on the this is I'll stop this is awful <laughs> I'll stop well there we go so Gil you mentioned Star Wars how could we um, start our uh, podcast without discussing um, the biggest movie event in the hiatus um, yep on the day, uh-huh. we're discussing it on the day that it officially leaked on the internet now as well. How so? What, it leaked on the internet? Yeah, it's all over all the torrent sites. Oh! It was... <laughs> and you know how you get all these people that say illegally downloading movies is horrible? Uh-huh. Well, I wonder if you could run this day twice whether or not it would be downloaded by more or less people, given the fact that I only found out that it leaked because it was trending on Facebook. <laughs> so... Like, actually in the sidebar. Do you think it's pretty impressive? Star Wars Force Awakens <laughs> has illegally leaked on the internet. How many people do you think read that and then just went straight to a torrent site? Do you think it's pretty impressive that they've managed to keep it under, under, the, under one... Uh, well, away from torrent sites this long? Uh, no, because I watched a documentary about the people that that leak things, and they've got more say over it than the studios, really. 
Right. And they actually and they pick the days that they're going to leak things. Hmm. Which I thought was quite interesting. Because it's there's certain groups that like if you go onto torrent sites and just look up the most popular movies, you'll see that they all have like their kind of their tag name at the end. Uh-huh. And they are just groups that operate on hidden forums and stuff where they they have people that work in factories that get hold of certain things. The documentary, I can't remember what it was called, but it was really fascinating. And in it, they interviewed a man who worked in a, a record pressing plant and he talked about how he started off doing it just as an interest, just just to see if he could. And then it got to the point where he had other people within the plant working for him, like helping the stuff get out before it should have. So when is the, when's the official release date? It must be quite soon. April the 5th. April the 5th, there we go. Okay. Yep. So that's what, two weeks away? Okay. Or, uh-huh. Yeah, almost two weeks. Yeah. I'm sure none of, but, none of this will harm the publicity for the, the actual release of the film, to be fair. No, I mean, a lot of people will still go out and buy it, despite the fact that they've illegally downloaded it. That's one of the interesting facts about people that get called pirates is that when studies have been done on the the spending, that the people who illegally download stuff did actually spend more on music and films than people who didn't. Very interesting. Hmm. Yep. So there we go. So it's made two like more than two million two billion US dollars. Mm-hmm. How crazy is that? Yep. It has broken a stupid amount of records. Like the the amount of money that it took in pre sale tickets alone. And I went to see it on the first night and I pre ordered my ticket, so What did you think? What was your view on it? I loved it. I was like a big kid. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was worried at first because I thought a midnight screening you've been to those, haven't you? Oh uh-huh, yeah, I have. Uh-huh. They they can be Sometimes they can be really, really quiet. Like the Prometheus one that I went to, I think there was about 30 people there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they can be like a bloody screening of the Rocky Horror Show. Yeah, absolutely. I think the ones I went to were, they've all been Marvel, but I don't remember if I went to, I'm sure I've went to one X-Men one and probably one Captain America one. Um, Yeah, I think that's about it. Seems... No grown up movies. No grown up movies, no. I don't, I don't... They don't tend to they don't tend to get midnight screens. No, they tend do. to be for the for our weird little demographic kiddo uh, age group that seems to be uh being yeah. spoon fed and supported at the moment. It's uh, I think <laughs> I think we're all gonna look back on this period and go, God, what were we doing? You know, spoon feeding is actually a lot easier than I imagined. Oh, it would be. there we go. There we go. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought um, I thought it was great for what it was worth. Um, the Force Awakens, that is, rather than being spoon-fed. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought it was great, great fun. Um, came away from it smiling and 
a very happy person. I think uh, I would like to have seen it a couple of times in the cinema. I think I know, I know you, I, I know you've seen it twice. I would like to have done the same, to be honest. Because uh, yeah, we took the baby. Yeah, yeah. She was four months old. So the you say there's a baby. There was a baby in parent screening type. Yeah, uh-huh, cool. So it's it's not turned up full, and they leave the lights on. Oh, cool. And we were the only people there. Ah, oh, okay. So it was very relaxing. Oh, so you were the only family that was there? We were the only people in the theatre. Oh my goodness, okay. Just the three of us. And then we went to the parent and baby showing of 10 Cloverfield Lane this week, and we were the only people there again. Ah, oh, jeez. So they must not really be taking off the parent and baby things well, in Clydebank. Well, they're on at 10.15 in the morning. Ah, right, okay, Monday. fair enough. So, yeah. And I did have nachos both times. Oh, good man. Good man. The three dip or the two dip? One dip, rather. You, oh, there's not a two dip. There should be a two dip. There is. There's a two dip. Is there? It's, yeah. Right, okay. There's not a three dip. I was, oh. Oh, oh, I yes, was the, what, thinking there, where the hell's this three yeah, dip option? The, I didn't see that on the menu. The Odeon and Air, where I went to see 10 Cloverfield Lane, the options are one dip or three, three dips. dips. Three dips is too many. One dip is too few. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the highlight for me, I suppose, was Kylo Ren. Um, I thought, I thought uh, Adam Driver was was fantastic in the role. Um, that to me was, and also have to say, um, little, little uh, what's his name, Rupert. He was in Frank. What's his name? Oh, uh, Domino Gleason. Domino Gleason. Why am I saying Rupert? Rupert Grint. Rupert Grint from. It's just, you think all gingers are the same. <laughs> There's my racism creeping out again. <laughs> yeah. Because, of course, my daughter was displaying a touch of ginger. Uh, listen, man, I myself... <laughs> that sounds like a very bad crime. I myself am deeply ginger. So there we go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought they were excellent. I thought um, I thought uh, it was particularly enjoyed how, um, in contrast to the the first three films where the religious order that Vader's a part of had seemed to have a whole power base behind them. And you mean the original trilogy? Yeah, behind the... As opposed to the first, when you say first three films. You know? <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Um, well, the, the, the religious element, the Sith, had far more power. Whereas in this situation, under the first order, there was the... You know, you've got your you've got your first order, your military men, but at the same time, you've also got the the religious extremists, um, that are part of that, and they both seem to have an equal power within the within the the scheme of things, and I found that interesting and enjoyable for. You, a you think the you think the Sith had more power in the elves because Vader gets called a lapdog. Ah, oh, interesting. Yeah, it's uh, or gets called who's lapdog? Maybe not. Uh, Grand Moff Tarkins. Ah, okay. No, yeah. it was, and also his religion gets mocked openly to his face. Uh huh. And how does he react to that? Chokehold. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Doesn't he have long to? Whereas I've never understood. Whereas, that, Ky- whereas the same things happen to Kylo Ren, but there's. There's far more tension because it's two powers that are that are equal. Yeah, I felt. But I just I thought it was a shame that they didn't have Oscar Isaac's and Adam Driver 
just burst into song at one point. Did you see the SNL thing? No. The um, they did a skit with Adam Driver, uh, where Adam Driver is uh, doing the what's the name of it? Where the um, the bo- undercover boss. Oh, so it's like a Kyle. As Kyle, as Kyle Ren. Uh huh. Um, it's Damn it's it. really good. It's uh, very amusing. So it's it's Kyle Ren going undercover as this guy um, who's just started in the job, and it's just him trying to to hide his uh, <laughs> hide his evil tendencies and avoid uh, yeah. avoid going crazy. And it's very good. And it's, I think it's like six or seven minutes long. Worth checking out if you get a chance. Yeah, there's one of the things I really liked about Kylo Ren was his voice. Uh huh. I thought his I thought his voice was. It just had a really nice kind of analog sound to it. Right. Okay. It just there was something really really awesome about that voice. Although it is really loud mm-hmm. at some points, like he's actually been turned up a wee bit too much in the mix, but. I didn't think that they'd be able to come up with any sort of someone behind a mask voice that would match match Vader. Vader. Yeah, yeah. But because I mean, look at the times that they've attempted it since then with like General Grievous. Mm-hmm. This is like fucking chain smoking cough. Yep. Is that ever explained? Really? No. It probably is in the wider universe, but. Yeah. But we've just got a wider universe is pretty much all be widely discounted. Oh uh, yeah, the widely discounted universe. Yep, absolutely. I think though, in practice, <laughs> things filled with pound worlds. In practice, they'll probably take what they'll take bits and pieces from that. But yeah, there we go. But yeah, that's that was really good. And at the same time, we've also had um, we've also had Deadpool. It's probably another kind of massive movie that's come out in the last couple of months. Um, yep. Which I thought was absolutely excellent and very closely aligned to the character that the that I know. Um Mark and I experienced the Deadpool's a wee bit more limited, um, in terms of I've not really read massive amounts of stuff. I've read I've, I was buying it for a while when there was a Thunderbolts crossover, um, with Deadpool. Um and also the uh Daniel Way stuff, which I thought it was really good um, but I've not read a whole lot of the, the stuff that came before uh, so my knowledge of it was quite limited but I, I still had a, a good idea of what the character was I knew obviously about the, the elements um, going into it uh, of, of breaking the fourth wall and of him having competing personalities and multiple voices in his head and I thought the whole thing played ex- yep. exceptionally well I was really impressed with it um, whether it's R-rated or not I think that's um, I think that's a question for another day you know like it's oh it is there's enough gore in it oh I mean, no I don't doubt I don't a triple yeah, headshot I don't, I don't doubt that but I mean but now everybody's clamouring for what's going to be the next uh-huh. R-rated the, the question... comic book adaptation. And of course, now people are going, oh, it's going to be this like final Wolverine film that they're planning to do. But now Zack Snyder's saying that the Batman verse, well, sorry, Batman v Superman, because apparently the fact that it's a V, not a Versus, is important. Hmm. That's... 
could it be a V or could it be a five? I, th- I, th- I think my point <laughs> was that basically the fact that it's R-rated is probably it's being overplayed as being something that was important in its success. I think Deadpool was was successful because because it was a good film, and I think because it had a lot of good comedy elements, it felt more like a comedy a comedy film with superhero elements rather than the other way around. But yeah, it still kind of seemed to serve both mm. masters very well. Um, but when Deadpool's been in a kind of PG uh-huh. racing thing like a Spider-Man cartoon, he does comment on how he can't say words that people would assume that he was going yeah. to say. So I think if they hadn't, if they had tried to rein it in, then they would have ended up explaining that point uh-huh. of it. So I, I think it's it's fine that they've just gone, yeah, let it be whatever rating it's going to be. Because I think it's a film that's basically been hyped from before it was even a thing because they leaked well somebody leaked that footage of that one test scene and then everyone went we really want that movie and then of course that scene is remade in the movie like just perfectly so i i think that they intentionally just figured how do we get a deadpool movie made we show the fans the test Uh scene and then that will show the studio that there's enough interest and that the interest is coming from like the social media sites where the audience that they'd naturally aim for are generally not meant to be. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the, the thing that I mentioned to you previously was um, prior to Deadpool's release, Grace Randolph had been, uh, who was, um, she was the presenter of Marvel's show The Watcher for probably about a year and a half um, and now she does independent reviews that are really good and generally on point um, but she has uh, she started a kind of campaign saying I think it was her son or some child who she kind of is res- responsible for or knows um, and the, basically the argument was my old kid loves Deadpool why can't we make a cut of Deadpool that would be suitable for an eight-year-old kid, particularly where you're marketing the character to to uh, younger kids, like through Spider-Man or through X-Men or through whatever it might be. Um, yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of funny where Marvel is just now because you've got this position where the character is very successful and there's an appetite for the character. And there was an appetite for the character before because I mean even I mean the number of comics, Deadpool, the number of Deadpool comics that they were going a few months ago in a in a month you probably get four or five different um, Deadpool comics in any given month. So I mean you had yeah. Deadpool core, you had the actual Deadpool title, you had Deadpool as part of um, well who who was he a part of? I think probably X Force. He was a part of X Force, but not recently. Um, oh no. He, yeah, fairly recently he was in X Force, but anyway, the point being, he's been part of teams and been part of different stuff. Just now, he's part of I think uh, all new, all different Avengers or Uncanny Avengers. 
So there's, there's mm-hmm. an appetite for the character that's kind of all ages. So how does Marvel kind of reconcile that? Um, I think it's going to be an interesting one. <laughs> they let Fox release it. <laughs> yeah, but fair enough. But how going forward, how do you monetize that interest? You know, I, I reckon I reckon they'll probably they'll maybe do a Deadpool trilogy with some but minimal crossovers with their X Men franchise. Uh huh. Okay. And that will keep Marvel happy because it means that they're not having to explain why Deadpool's not in the MCU. Sure. Interesting. Very good. Cool, man. I don't know. That's just, that's just my idea. I think that they would do a Deadpool trilogy. Maybe maybe bring a couple of extra X-Men in. Mm. Like, maybe in the next film they'll have three just so they can make a joke about the fact that they've got one extra now. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you do with the X-Men franchise, to be fair. I think we're kind of... Um... You just make a bigger budget, bigger stakes, more crashes, more bangs, more wallops. And then yeah. People leave the cinema going, oh, that was really good, and then happily live the rest of their lives without actually watching the film again. <laughs> and I say that as someone who owns the first six on yes. Blu-ray. I've watched them all once since I bought that uh-huh. Blu-ray set. I like them, but... Also, I've noticed that with some of the Marvel films as well, though, is, like, I watched Thor yesterday, and that was the first time that I'd watched Thor in uh-huh. years. And, you know, it is still a good film, but I really haven't rewatched a lot of the Marvel films, especially not the Avengers uh-huh. ones. I mean, they are... I I saw the two of them back-to-back. Oh, of course, uh uh-huh. For the midnight yeah, screening, uh-huh. and it's just the same kind of plot points and the same beats all the way through both films, to the point that they're so similar that it's really uh-huh. annoying. Age Ultron was was very mediocre, um, very th- yeah. particularly coming off Age of Hawkeye, coming off mean. the back of Winter Soldier, which was absolutely amazing as far as I'm concerned. Um, I love the yeah. Winter Soldier. I've seen that a few times, and I think it's amazing. Um, I just think that's Captain America that's portrayed as, I think, pretty close to the character that I that I like. And um, I'm really looking forward to Civil War. I'm very excited about Civil War. Um, yeah. Again, I don't I don't know how it will work out. It's, but I mean, the the thing is, a lot of people say, "Oh well." It can't really be civil war if you don't have like your hundreds of characters. But really, while there was a lot of characters involved in civil war, and while, well, basically the whole universe was involved, um, with the exception of, yeah. like, I don't think X Men were particularly. Um, but the point being that, um, the point the point being that basically it doesn't really matter as long as you've got two core groups that are doing relatively similar things and having relatively similar arguments. It doesn't really matter if it starts off with uh, exactly the same with the, um, is it Young Avengers that kick it off when, when they're trying to catch uh, someone at Speedball that ends up co- basically causing this uh, thing to kick off? Well, they've already laid the seeds for right. by having them involved in massive, massive disasters uh-huh. so that they can quite simply just say, maybe it's time 
that we had a bit of say over what you do and a bit of control. Yep. Which, you know, that's Suicide Squad, uh-huh. isn't it? Mutant, mutant, mutant <laughs> Registration Act uh, from the, yep. the 70s. But it, won't be, it won't be the Mutant Registration Act in this. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, it's a super... It's yeah, superhero registration act is from the the civil is from civil war, but I was just saying the doesn't that have a a more official name as well though, like treaty or accord sure, or man. something. I'm not sure. I enjoyed I enjoyed the book as I said before. That's the book that got me into comics, and it's that as much as that pro- probably sounds kind of strange. It was just like that's the the first comic that I really. Picked picked up mm-hmm. as an adult and kind of went from there to Secret Invasion to and then Dark Rain and when Dark Rain came out I was buying I was buying weekly because I was just enthralled by it I thought this amazing world where you know where the villains or the the heroes and vice versa and I know that it's I've looked that stuff's been done to death but I felt with Dark Rain it was yeah. it was a kind of exciting period and I really. You know, I, t- I love that, and there's like I collected everything in the Dark Rain pretty much, um, and I wish that that. So what was it made you go away from, from it then? And well, that what? that all ended, and they kind of moved back to, uh, kind of away from big events towards kind of one-off, kind of short story arcs, which is probably you know yeah. probably just you know good. You know, just as good and something that's, but I, I mean, for me, the the dark green thing was was absolutely fantastic, and I I loved that. Just now, I'm I'm back buying. Uh, I I think I sent it over to to you the digital version. Um, yeah, well, it's it's Assault on Pleasant Hill is the name of it. It's, well, Standoff Assault on Pleasant Hill, and it's a Captain America um, kind of event that that's basically supposed that uses the three captain americas and it's it's kind of a sci-fi um a sci-fi storyline that you that takes place in the marvel universe mm-hmm. basically shield have developed this um they've developed this shield they've, they've <laughs> developed a super prison um that rather than trying to imprison uh, these supervillains or trying to, you know, hold them in one location, what they're doing is they're alter using an element of cosmic cube to alter reality and to try and nurture them to become better people and to become good people um, by altering who they are, by making them forget who they are, making them believe they're other people. Um, and it's it's kind of takes elements from like the the prisoner and uh, all these kind of uh, sci-fi stories, and I've found it absolutely enthralling so far. Um, because the 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 first the end of the first episode, we get basically the villains start to become self-aware and start to realize that we're being held here, and there's this just mountain revolt just happening. And it's kind of this kind of short uh, pressure cooker event um speaking of things becoming self-aware oh yes <laughs> <laughs> you sent me that wonderful news story earlier on about the the ai that microsoft developed uh-huh. and gave it a twitter account where it would interact with people and learn from them and within 24 hours it had become a crazy racist <laughs> so there we go yes 
The wonderful world of the internet, folks. <laughs> there we go. So, so, Gil, have you actually seen any horror films while we've been? Uh, I haven't seen a massive amount. Uh-huh. I have to admit, but then I have had. You've a little person to look after. I have had a little person to look after. She did enjoy. <laughs> this is going to sound really bad because she was very young. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She's still, in fairness, she, she's still pretty she's young. Seven, seven months, <laughs> she's still pretty young. But when I was watching Ash versus Evil Dead, uh-huh. she would just be sitting beside me and seem to really enjoy all the bright reds. There we go. So, How did you enjoy Ash versus Evil Dead? I liked it. I haven't watched all of it yet because I started to fall behind. And I decided I will just wait until I can just binge watch at least half of it. There's only 10 episodes, so... But it is very good. Mm-hmm. It's definitely worth checking out if you haven't. And what, what network is it on? Uh, oh, I think it was... Was it Space or something? It's on one of the US networks. I don't know who's going to show it over here. Uh-huh, okay. Or if it has been. Uh-huh. But it was just what you'd want from an Evil Dead series. Great. Had slightly better effects as, as well. There's a really nice demon What is the effect. setup for it? What's the, what's the story? <laughs> this the this, story. The same. Okay. It's the same story. Uh-huh. Yeah, again. <laughs> Ash is still as... Useless and bungling as always, but you know, completely just cocksure <laughs> minus one hand, and he now has false teeth and wears a girdle, and then it all kicks off again, and he goes on a road trip with his two pals that he works with. Excellent. He's basically just a an old alcoholic who lives in a trailer. Hmm. Very cool. <laughs> He's Ash. Very cool. Good. Oh, have you fallen over? You make no. some strange sounds. Are you <laughs> doing your yoga? I'm always doing my yoga. All right, fair enough. Sorry. Of course. I've not even got my slanket on. Have you not? Oh well. Well, you are. You do have guests. It's a special night. I know. I know. <laughs> So cool. What about you? Yeah. How's your horror watching been in the past nine yeah, months? I've had a think <laughs> because with the... <laughs> last time we spoke, I was like, oh, I've seen nothing. I don't know. Stop asking me questions. You, um, you have seen the Green Inferno. I have seen the Green Inferno, yes. Um, the Eli Roth joint. The Eli Roth joint. Um, I think I think we'll will we be reviewing it at some point. We might as well. We might as well, <laughs> since I've watched it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so I'll probably withhold my judgment until then. Um, well, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. But I, I reckon that Eli Roth could probably do with a few less of his <laughs> Eli Roth joints. <laughs> it is, it's, uh, it's exactly what I thought it would be. <laughs> How does <how's> that? <laughs> How's that for a diplomatic answer? Yeah. Oh, I thought it would be in more. 
And it had a lot of problems getting released, didn't it? And do you think that was just because people had seen it? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! It's like when I, just like fool me once, <laughs> shame, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Jesus. Anyway, I'm sure we'll we'll get to that at some point. I think that's it's the kind of thing that that needs a proper. It needs set fire to, to be fair, but <laughs> so it's it's not as good as his stint as an actor in the Horse Whisperer, <laughs> as office worker number four. There we go. Or is... He's in he's in Terror Farmer. Uh huh. And Citizen Toxie. Aye, and Inglorious Bastards as well. Yep. He's good in that. Tales from the Crapper. Was he? Yep. There we go. He's Gay party goer. That's oh. trauma's description, not mine. <laughs> there we go. So yes, um, yeah. Apart from that, so it follows. You finally got round to it. Yeah. What did you think? Yeah. Because that's when I saw in the cinema. And what was what was your feeling? I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought the soundtrack was really good. The the story was lovely and vague, mm-hmm. although there were a few characters that kind of bordered on like just doing my head in. Uh-huh. There was also a kind of, where the hell is the mother <laughs> in all this? You know, there's definitely, there was, there was a definite lack of parental influence. Mm. But the whole film did just seem to revolve around these four or five kids that might as well have just been squatting in a house on their own. Yeah, fair point. I feel that um, if you've got any level of paranoia, you should probably stay away from this film. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the film for the, the paranoid androids among you. Um, or watch this film, huh. then quickly run out and have sex with somebody you don't like. Yep, that's the other answer. Yeah. No, I thought it was really cool. Really cool. Um, it wasn't perfect. No, it wasn't perfect. I, it was a... I think I was expecting, because because the way people were raving about it, I was expecting the second coming of Christ. Um, and and it wasn't that. Or Babadook. Uh, that, was, that certainly wasn't the second coming of Christ. That was good fun, but... I thought Babadook was incredible. It was good. It wasn't incredible. Oh, it was. If you, I bet if we go back to Matt to to the uh, review, I bet <laughs> I said it was incredible. Pro- you probably did. I think the, just... I think the further away from a film I get, the less I like it. What do you think of the original Star Wars? Uh, well... <laughs> what about the Godfather? I think Empire. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. Yes, no, not perfect indeed. Um, but the the version that I've got on DVD has got a very, very cool uh, alternate cover, which is always a nice treat. Oh, <laughs> okay. What? What? What are you saying? I just, I like the idea of alternate covers. Uh huh. Do you? Ah, uh, well, that's great news. But I've, I think I've got three things with alternate covers. Uh huh. And it's not like you ever go back to them and turn it round. Well, I have I have chosen to utilise the alternate cover for it follows because I think it looks awesome. Although the back is rubbish. 
<laughs> Why don't you buy two copies? <laughs> this... Cut off the other back. <laughs> now see, you you have just highlighted the major flaw of the reversible cover. What's that? What if you don't like both sides of it? I know. That's that. Now they're going to have to add a second sheet of paper so that they can fold it that has both of the other options that you could be looking for available on the inside of that. It's like they've went to no bother whatsoever to make the back cover even remotely good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the front cover is amazing and the, like the alternate front cover is absolutely amazing and you look at the back and you're just like, oh, Comic Sans. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! It follows much good. You <laughs> in the corner. So yes. Scary suspense. Wow. Yep. So I have also been I've also been indulging in um, tales Resting. of the un- yes, but tales of the unexpected. All right. Um. So my beautiful fiance Katrina. Um, bought me. Oh, fiance! I know, I know, right? Um, bought me the box set. Did she know that you do this thing? What the frowny thing that I'm doing just now? Um, <laughs> yes, she does. Um, uh, she bought me the box set that's got all a hundred and whatever, hundred and nineteen episodes, something like that. So, been just steadily working my way through those. I think I'm on to the end of it, season two just now. So. That's been really good. Um, always nice to see. What's the Gump. Michael Gambon one? I don't know. There's a very good Michael Gambon one right. in Tales from the well, can, as far as I remember. You can Google it and find it. Mm-hmm. Fine. <laughs> I'm just. I'm gonna bring it. Just bring it. No, I'm gonna bing it. <laughs> oh, don't bang it. Don't. All right, I'll ask oh, Jeeves. God. Bing's terrible. The Umbrella Man, oh yes, that is a very good one. That is an excellent one. An elderly con man works a scan works a scam whereby he steals an umbrella from a rack in a public building and sells it to another person who needs it to shield them from the rain. So there we go. It's only a good scam if it's raining. Yes. I think I think that's actually the that is the twist that we have just given away. That it's not raining. Spoiler alert, it's not raining. <laughs> Is it raining? Oh, I just noticed. That just makes it sound like a really low-budget version of Time Enough at right. Last. Where he's got all the umbrellas at the end and he goes out and it's a beautiful sunny day. I can't sell my wares. So yes. Um, yeah, so that's, that's been that girl, really, to be honest. And... Um, I don't know, would you like to maybe have a short break and then we can come back and discuss something else? Okay, doke what would you like to discuss? Well, um, we've actually Ooh. took the time to watch uh, all 13 episodes of Daredevil. So, yeah. would that maybe be a good idea? Start with that and then we can talk about 10 Cloverfield Lane. That sounds terrific. So we'll have a short break. Day of the traffic. We'll have a short break there and we'll be back after this. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host Duncan McLeish and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old school horror favourites as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. 
And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms to see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under The Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under The Stairs, signing off. Okay guys, and we're back to discuss Daredevil. Marvel's Daredevil on Netflix. Um, Second series of uh, Daredevil, and we've managed to watch all 13 episodes because our lives are just that busy and important. Um, It has been out for a week. It has been out for a week, that is true, and that is... I think watching 13 hours worth of anything in a week is still pretty impressive. <laughs> but then you know me. <laughs> and then you go, oh, that's the guy that used to watch like 20 films for a two-hour podcast. That's correct. That didn't last very long, did it? We, we... Can't, can't do that anymore. No, we certainly can't. We certainly can't. No. There's probably some bits of this that I haven't seen. <laughs> I know, I know, that's that, no. Babysick doing your back and stuff. Um, I did see episode seven uh-huh. three times before I got to Oh, the God, end. really? Oh, my goodness. It was one of those ones where, you know, you, you put it on and then something happens. and Yeah, that happened a couple of times. There we go. I've also become a master at falling asleep in front of YouTube. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Like, see, when you watch it on the PlayStation. Uh-huh. And it does that thing where it will just pick the next video. Oh for yeah, you. I hate that. Why? Why does Why does the PlayStation not have a sleep function? It does. It does. Well, the PS4 has a sleep uh, function. The PS3 has a sleep function as well. If you haven't done anything with the controller for two hours, uh-huh. I think it is on the PS3. Then it. Switch itself off, because sometimes it will threaten to switch itself off if you're watching a long film. I don't think that's true. It is true. I shall investigate. Okay, so well, I quite regularly switch on my PlayStation, and it says this was powered down for power saving functions. There we go. Well, but it also has completely destroyed my YouTube recommendations. <laughs> It keeps recommending channels that I have absolutely no interest in. <laughs> I take it I must have watched lots of their videos whilst being asleep. <laughs> a lot of list videos as well. List videos? Oh, when it's like, here's uh, 20 things you probably didn't know about. Right, okay. Okay. Fails of the week. Oh, God, right, okay. So the, the, the visual equivalent of OK Magazine, take a break? Uh, not quite. Not quite. You don't open you don't open OK Magazine and it's like, hey, 15 fat people fell over yesterday. You will find that video on YouTube. No, thank you. I will not find that. So yes, Marvel's <laughs> Daredevil, um, starring Charlie Cox, I think. Yep. As the devil. One of the few porn actors to cross over. I know he's done well, boy. He's done well. Yep. Um, obviously, uh, from 
Stone of Destiny. You only know that because I told you. Obviously. I showed you the trailer. Obviously. What did you think of it? What did you think of his Paisley accent? When you, when you showed me the video, I said, Oh, who's that wee boy? Yeah. <laughs> and you said, it was, That is Delta Who? And I said, Oh. Yeah, it was ten, 10 years ago. Yes. So there we go. Um, yeah. No, it's a good film. Yeah, I watch. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, uh, uh, yeah, so the, the new series of Daredevil um, lifts off where uh, the previous series takes takes up where the previous series left off. Um, Kingpin is behind bars. Um, most of the gangs have either dissipated or been um, very heavily you know, wiped out in terms of their operations. So Hell's Kitchen is seemingly a safer place. But the first thing that we see pretty much is um, a new threat coming to Hell's Kitchen uh, in yeah. the form of a uh, uh, Irish gang who are planning to uh, basically clean up. Um, well, I think they've always they've always been there, uh-huh. but through Daredevil eliminating the Yakuza threat uh-huh. in the first series, rather than him turning Hell's Kitchen into somewhere that was safer, mm-hmm. he's actually turned it into somewhere where there isn't the big gang keeping all the smaller gangs in check. So he's just created a power vacuum and probably didn't anticipate that things were going to go the way that they do in this series. Sure. So the new threat that comes out, I suppose, is uh, this character who... Um, or this this kind of... We, we don't know at first... Um, who's managed to take out these gangs. Uh, the, the the first sequence sees the Irish gang being pretty much entirely wiped out. Um, and we, uh, we are led to believe that it might be an army, a heavily armed army that has come in and that's causing, that, that, that's planning to do this across the city. And then rumours start to come through the storyline that this is one man. That's carrying it. Yeah. That's, that's carrying it. This vigilance, um, and it's it's obviously the Punisher. So that this series is kind of focused on introducing and building the characters of the wider universe. So Punisher, Elektra, um, and there's a bit more, um, a bit more of, uh, for example, characters from the first series, and I believe characters that were expanded on Jessica Jones, um, Claire. Yeah, and, Carrie Ann Moss as well. She uh-huh. comes she comes into Daredevil and that she's from the Jessica Jones series. Ah, right, okay. That you, that you really should watch. Uh-huh. You should check it out. It's very good. Very good. Yeah, I was planning to have heard that David Tennant as the purple man is is fantastic. Yeah, it's it's the same sort of it's like a he's like a sinister Doctor Who. Uh-huh. I'm not saying that he doesn't have a wide range of acting abilities, but that's just a simplified way. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I find the I find the whole thing very very engaging. Um, again, I think I think this this series more so than the previous series um, did did have its moments where it was dragging a wee bit. Um, as much as I enjoyed the the whole series. It didn't quite. 
it didn't quite hold my attention in quite the same way as the first season. Um, mm. I don't know if that's just me, but they seem to be throwing a lot of stuff, and not necessarily all of it was necessarily sticking as well yeah. as it, as well as it could have done. I thought Frank Castle was phenomenal. Um, I very very much enjoyed the Punisher. Um, Electra and Stick; these are all kind of elements of the the wider uh, Daredevil character, and I, I enjoyed them for what they were. Um, and I enjoyed what they were building uh, with the the mythology of the the characters. What, what did you think, Gil, yourself? I loved this series, but I know what you mean. Where it seems like they've they've used quite a fair chunk of this to just lay the groundwork for what's coming next because they're building up to a Defenders series. Because we're going to have the Luke Cage series, and then we're going to have the Iron Fist series. Don't know if we'll have any more Jessica Jones before Defenders or if she'll appear in those two shows, mm-hmm. but there's probably a timetable up somewhere that I'm completely ignoring. Mm-hmm. But I I know what you mean about certain bits of it dragging, but I I think that's that didn't really bother me too much, but maybe because I was just watching it going... That's Frank Castle. Yeah, it's it's one of the the better versions of the Punisher. Uh huh. Let's face it, the, the Tom Jane one has it. Can anybody remember what happened in that film at all? Yeah, it's kind of the Ray, Ray Stevenson was a up until now had been the best Punisher, mm. and Warzone is far from a great movie. Mm. You know, it's just a kind of turn your brain off popcorn gore flick which is perfectly fine for certain aspects of the Punisher but it looks like in Daredevil they've used this second series to set up more of just his mythology rather than showing him fully in action Uh which I hope we get to see more of in future. And I think that's the danger of what the time is that you're almost playing a long game that doesn't always pay off. And I mean, I, I'm still not convinced in terms of the, the wider Marvel universe, the, um, what is it? The, the, uh, they call it the MacGuffin mitten. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, for the, the infinity. Yeah. But, yeah. But I, I don't remember who it was that coined that term, but I think it's a, you know, a fair, fair assessment. It's kind of, it just seems like we're we're building up this this story very very slowly, and you might be you, you know there, there's something to be said for 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 films and TV shows to be episodic and fun as well as much as you want yeah. to as much as you want to build things up. Sometimes it's important to you know to actually give something back, and I think um, like First Avenger possibly was one where where the build was probably more than the the payoff um thor is probably as much as i enjoyed both those films i think that probably the the priority was building towards avengers movie and or building towards the 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 wider universe whereas a lot of time there's there's joy just in 
in the here and now sometimes, and I think there's got to be some balance there. I've, and don't get me wrong, I've, I love Daredevil and I've, en- I've enjoyed it thoroughly, but I think that sometimes it, th- that can be lost. I thought the Frank Castle fight sequence, um, there's, there's two kind of um, set-piece fight sequences, I would say, in this. Um, yeah, in the, in, in this... well, just for Frank. Well, I was going to say that there's well one for Daredevil uh, at the maybe episode two, and then the Frank Castle where he, fight sequence where he has to fight his way out of the cell block. Um, I would I'd say there's a lot more action than that. In it. I think there's maybe not such long bits, but to me those were the those were the two that were most comparable with. The most famous sequence in the first series, which is yeah, which is the corridor sequence. sequence. Um, so for me, for me, those were the kind of set piece fight sequences. And as much as there was lots of fighting and lots of bloody gore, I think those two were the most comparable in terms of being um, brutal, slow grinding fights um, that mm-hmm. that seemed that seemed legitimate and seemed. But man, I mean, the thing is, I what this is, you're not picking, and you are, you are kind of, uh, you know, picking holes in something that's essentially excellent. Um, so yeah. I, I would say, if, if folk haven't had a chance to catch the Devil yet, I would say definitely get a look at it. Um, both series are very compelling. Um, if you're unsure that you can really afford to spend thirteen hours, say watch watch the first episode, and I'm fairly sure. Uh, you'd be hooked. Um, the only thing I don't like about it is the opening credits. Oh, really? I, I just find them a bit dull. Also, it's a Netflix series. Uh-huh. So they should understand that one of the things a lot of people love about Netflix is that when you are binge-watching, it cuts off the credits at the end and it cuts off <laughs> the opening scene. Uh-huh. Well, not the opening scene, but the opening credits. Uh-huh. So that that kind of annoys me about their Marvel series is that they always have this little bumper scene at the start, mm. and then you have to sit through the credits again. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, fair point. Yeah, fair point. Like every time, it's it's just it's not really that engaging. Uh-huh. A credit scene, it's just names. Mm. <laughs> It's quite a good, good, good theme. I like the theme. It's kind of, it kind of reminds me of the bridge a wee bit in terms of the, the theme tune that they used for that. Oh, and I, I did look up the the list of Netflix series. Luke Cage is out at the end of September. Yes, if you watch, if you watch the whole of the way through Daredevil, it shows you the trailer for Luke Cage. Yep, just a wee twenty second uh-huh. taster. Yep. So yeah. that does look good. Yeah, no. As 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 I say, I think we're in a good good time for this kind of this kind of series. And I again, I was cynical that this would this would really work. Um, I think the character's been through, you know, been dragged through the dirt a wee bit in terms of the uh, Ben Affleck movie, Ben Affleck and movie, the... and the way it's been treated, uh, generally speaking. But um, I mean, appearances in the original Hulk TV series. Ah, really. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's in the trial of the Incredible Hulk uh-huh. and I think he reappears in Death of the Incredible Hulk very interesting, there we go it's, it's not a great version of the character no to be honest, I, I think that 
Daredevil is well, most of the superheroes are quite physical characters. Mm. And when you look back at I mean, as much as I love the Tim Burton Batman, mm-hmm. you can see that there's not a lot of flexibility in that costume. No, sure. Things like Daredevil where you, you get the really good action from somebody who's meant to be doing really good action. Mm-hmm. And previously it's just been average. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's definitely a lot of these things are, are definitely a step forward. I mean, in terms of blame the raid. Yeah, no, Sorry. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think the raid's been a, a massive influence on um on this series. Um, it's very apart and on Star Wars. Would you say so? Guys from the raid get a cameo in the Force Awakens. What? Yep, the first time that we see Han Solo uh-huh. in the Force Awakens when he's on that spaceship. And the Scottish guy mm-hmm. who probably does the the worst acting in all of oh, the Oh yeah, Americans, that was terrible. Turns up and the, then but that's probably that, again that probably wasn't his fault. This um this it's quite stilted dialogue. But I think this is uh, I think like Kate Dickey trying to do a a, a Scottish accent in Prometheus is quite similar as well. Kate Dickey is I know. Scottish. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's exactly this. It's I think exactly... Kate Dickey's problem in Prometheus is that she's the she's meant to be the doctor mm-hmm. or scientist on the ship, and she's really just there for scientific exposition. Uh-huh. And the the one line that from her. The reading, always the readings are is, going through the roof or something. Like, what is it? No, the, the one for me was, what is that? Uh-huh. What is that? It's like if you watch Red Road, you go, Kate Dickey's an incredibly good actress. You watch Prometheus, uh-huh. you go, oh, why didn't they pick somebody good for that mm-hmm. role? Mm-hmm. I hope she never listens to this. <laughs> That's the... I'm sure she wouldn't mind this. I, I think, care, it's, I think it's just, I think it's Hollywood trying to, trying to, Fix Scottish accents is what I was kind of trying to get at. <laughs> um, they've, they've managed to do that by getting Simon Pegg to play one. Uh-huh. Simon Pegg does a very good Scottish accent because his wife is Scottish. Oh. I think his wife's from Glasgow. Oh, really? But I've told you that before. Oh, yeah, you nearly ran her over. We, we, no, we nearly ran him over. Uh-huh. All right, that's what it was. There we go. That would... That would have been even more sinister if we'd nearly run over Simon Pegg's wife and then pointed at him and shouted fucking hell at Simon Pegg. <laughs> Start revving the engine. Okay. So, um, yeah, so it's... Oh, and also, uh-huh. Iron Fist, I think, will be after Luke Cage. Just looking at the status of the TV series, because Iron Fist is in pre-production, and there is a second series of Jessica Jones in development. Oh, and the Defenders series is still just down as being either four or eight episodes. So, really, yep. Hmm, that could be interesting. So that definitely looks like they're building towards something. So that all the things that annoy you in the series just now mm-hmm. could end could end up just making a bit more sense when Defenders finally comes out. It doesn't have any release date mm-hmm. not even a year so I, I reckon probably it'll be round about next Easter for Iron Fist 
enough. And then probably next September or whatever for Jessica Jones. That's my prediction. I like it. I like it. So, so Gil, shall we have a short break there and come back, or will we? What do you think? Uh, it's up to you. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> okay, guys. So we'll have a short break there, um, and we'll be back to discuss the film that's called Ten Cloverfield Lane. And we'll be back after this. Hey, Cherish. It's 8 o'clock. Is it time to get the show on the screen or what? Do you enjoy watching films with friends? Do you like to consume vats of alcohol? It's the 40s and some bitches, babe. Yeah! Me? I like beer. If you like all that and none of those artsy-fartsy films... Does this mean we don't get to go to the Fellini Festival? Fuck the Fellini Festival? Then watch and listen to Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. Every Wednesday, myself and a rotating panel of the filthiest podcasters I can muster up give you our comments, observations, and sometimes we might actually talk about the film as we class up some of your favorite films the only way we know how, as raunchy as we can. <laughs> What's this movie, PG? Oh, yeah. This podcast is fucking... Not only do you get the audio, but the video that goes with it. Just listen to the shit that comes out of these filthy pirates. <laughs> you don't need to get an erection when your cock's full of rigor mortis. <laughs> fucking curb stomp a baby for a bacon <laughs> I think the moral of the story is don't let Corky run Cerebro. Unforgivable. If you could stand all that, come and get your fill and your fix of Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. All the cool kids are doing it. Two Drink Minimum Commentaries is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Okay, guys, and we're back to discuss 10 Cloverfield Lane. It was directed by Dan Trachtenberg and written by Josh Josh Campbell, Matthew Strucken. Matthew Stukin. Um <laughs> uh, and, and it was based on a, a screenplay by Josh Campbell, uh, Matthew Stukin, and Damien Chazelle. Stukin. Chazelle. Chazelle. Um, <laughs> it was uh, obviously starring John Goodman as Howard, um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Michelle, and John Gallagher Jr. as Emmett. So that's your three main players throughout the the whole film, and the vast majority of the film only really involves them. Um, there's bits and pieces of other people here and there, um, but there's it's... her boyfriend Ben, who is uh, Bradley Cooper. Oh, there you go. But he, you never see him; it's just his voice that you hear. Yeah, he's he's doing well for himself these days. Is he? Yeah, he's doing alright. Cool. So, I was, so, I'm, so I'm down in the post office earlier. Nah. Said, how's it going, Bradley? And he's like, not too bad. Oh. So you're going to do another one of those Silver Linings playbooks? And he said, probably not. So just punched him and walked out. <laughs> so, yes, Tenko Overfield Lane is based on... It was originally a script under, under the name of The Cellar. Um, and then it was bought. And then it was bought, and it became a spiritual sequel to Cloverfield. And it was developed out by J. Uh, with the assistance of J.J. Abrams, who's I believe the executive producer on this. Um, and and it was his production company, Bad Robot, that made it. So yeah, um, the film basically st- in secret. The film starts out with uh, Michelle's character. Uh, 
Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character, Michelle, leaving her apartment in New Orleans and traveling, um, is it to Chicago? I don't remember where she was heading to. Um, where she was heading... Or Houston? I don't, or was it, I don't, was it Chicago? I don't remember offhand. But anyway, she was le- the film starts with her basically leaving her boyfriend to go and try and pursue a career in fashion. She's travelling through the night and her car crashes. She's involved in a car crash and she finds herself, she wakes up in a bunker. She... We've all been there. Absolutely, absolutely. And she becomes... She becomes awake and discovers that she's manacled to the radiator and manacled to uh, to is it a radiator or to a pipe? Um, yeah, and basically from there we kind of get the the story unfolds from there as we discover that she's being held by this character John Goodman who claims that he has saved her life, um, and that uh. Apocalyptic event has happened above ground that has caused um, a whole lot of damage for the air to be poisonous, and that he and this underground bunker that he's been preparing for years um, has been able to save her, um, and in all likelihood her family would be dead, um, and as a result, yeah. he was keeping her safe by keeping her prisoner in this bunker. So the the story kind of unfolds from there as we get to discover that the, that she's not alone in the bunker with John Goodman's character Howard, um, John Gallagher Jr.'s character uh, Emmett is Emmett. a kind of slow witted uh, builder construction uh, guy who basically. Well, you didn't have to add slow witted to the start of that, then, did you? Yes, you did. I'm um, just kidding. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and he has basically bought everything that Howard has told him, hook, line, and sinker. And he also claims to have seen uh, seen this incident happening. And as a result of that, has basically rushed to John John Goodman's character's shelter. Uh, no, yeah, because he helped build it. Yeah, absolutely. So because he knew that it was there and because he'd been involved in the construction of it, he knew that that was the safest place that he could be. Um, so the the film basically builds out from there with these three characters interacting and this kind of creepy relationship building up where John Goodman takes the role of the kind of uh, the father of the house, the patriarch, um, and there's lots of kind of subtle uh, and not so soft, subtle references to John Goodman's character possibly being you know, possibly being interested in uh, Michelle in a sexual sense and having kind of designs on her and it's, it's a very tense film um, but there's also there's also you know, great big chunks great big chunks of the well. film where there's lots of fun happens um, so I mean the, the, the film I would say is the kind of thing where if you know too much about it, it's possibly uh, a waste of time. Watching. It's possibly a waste of. I would not say it was a waste of time because I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think I would have thoroughly enjoyed it had I had I known every aspect of the film. Also, however, I think it's the kind of thing where if you walk into it knowing very little, knowing that it's a um, 
a film set in a bunker where uh, mysteries unfold and where things become more interesting as the film goes on. I think really that's as much as you as you really need to know going into it. Yeah. Um, if if you fancy watching a film that is three people in a bunker for an hour and a half, then you will enjoy this. How did you find it though? I mean, Even... you sent that's not a great way to sell it because. But that that is what it is though. I mean, it's it's like. How would you sell Waiting for Godot to somebody? But this is not Waiting for Godot, come on. I'm not saying it's Waiting for Godot, I just mean like the, the whole idea of limited cast. You know, like how do you how do you sell accidental death of an anarchist to someone? You know, if they say, Oh, what is it? It's it's just a police officer interviewing a man. But this is this on what else happens that's that's it's all a police officer interviewing a man this is a i mean this is a an excellent oh interestingly enough a film that I'd, i wholeheartedly recommend that doesn't even involve uh three members uh three three cast members it involves one cast member um and that's lock have you seen lock yeah well it it's not just no. One it's person, it's right? not just one. But you only you only see one one person. It was filmed in real time. Really? Yeah, but that's not the way that you see it. What they did was they they drove that journey, uh-huh. and the for so, people who don't know what Locke yeah, is, it's my my celebrity boyfriend Tom Hardy mm-hmm. plays a uh, a concrete engineer who's working on the biggest job of his life and then gets a phone call on the night before everything's meant to happen when some things have gone wrong at his job where he's really he really needs to be there but he gets a phone call telling him that he has to be in London because a woman that he had a tryst with months ago is about to have a baby that is his and as he's doing this car journey, he's on the phone to his wife. He talks to his two sons. He talks to people that he works with to try and sort out the stuff at work. He's on the phone to the woman that's having the baby. And that's all done in the car. Mm-hmm. And the people that are that he's talking to on the phone were all just sitting in hotel rooms, just doing all that. So I think it was four times mm-hmm. they did the journey. So if you apparently if you pay attention to road signs, you can figure out that sometimes the journey was faster than others because he has phone calls in the wrong order. But that doesn't bother me because it's an incredibly good film. Yeah, very good film. It's. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. But yes, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Uh, the the big drawn point for it is that there's a mystery, and that the mystery unfolds, the thing progresses, and not a twist. No, it's a it's a mist. Is that uh-huh. that's one thing that that annoyed me going into it is that someone had said about not liking the twist, mm-hmm. and there isn't a twist. Because when you lock three people in a room, mm-hmm. anything that's happening outside of that room mm-hmm. or inside of that room that that they're not aware of 
them becoming aware of something that has been happening without them observing it is not a twist. Sure, sure. It's just new information. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> that, sorry, that did annoy me going into it going, but I know there's a twist and then go, there's not a twist. Hmm. Where's the twist? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so there there's a mystery that gets revealed as the, as the film goes on and it becomes more and more interesting. And there are a lot of mysteries to the film. I think it's not just one central thing. I think there's a whole lot of different elements come out uh, come out throughout the whole thing um, and I'm, yeah. I'm definitely keen to see this again uh, in the cinema before it finishes up um, because I thoroughly enjoyed it and I would very much recommend that people check it out um, I think it's it's got a lot of replay value I think uh, I, I, I felt that um, John Goodman was absolutely excellent in it very creepy um, just uh, it is very, some, very good. Some very comedic sequences that kind of that 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 under that have an undercurrent of underlying that there's something just not quite right about this person, um, mm. and there's particularly one sequence um in the film that's very effective where um where they're playing charades, or is it was as mm. a charades. Is it charades? Um. Either, anyway, it's a it's a game where they need to where where someone it's kind of like Pictionary. It's that kind of idea where you explain. Yeah. Um. You would say basically, you're given a clue yeah, you're and given, you have to yeah exactly represent it. So you're given a the the person is given a clue and then the other person has to try and. So um Elliot sorry Emmett is pointing at Michelle and saying, you know it's little something little and he was saying like little girl little princess little all these really mad very childish or quite kind of creepy things rather than women rather than yeah, accepting because em, Emma's just pointing at a woman uh-huh. and he's going girl princess rather than accepting that this is an adult woman he is um treating her like a child and and very much that that kind of lays a kind of subtext and uh, kind of you know h- highlights some of the themes that have, been, have already been coming out at that point. Um, I felt felt it was very good, um, and I, I thought all three characters were were great in it. And very highly recommended, and I, I enjoyed the ending as well. A lot of people didn't. Um, I th- I felt I felt the whole thing was was very very strong. Well, do you want to talk about spoilers? No, I think no, I think that's I think that's sufficient to be honest. I think we we've kind of well. Can I say I wasn't a big okay? Wasn't uh-huh. a, wasn't overly enthused by the ending okay. because I I don't know I I like the the ending of Planet of the Apes because uh-huh. it didn't have, it didn't then go on to try and explain anything to uh-huh. you. It just goes, here's some facts. Now, go away. And I think I would have preferred it if this film had done that as well, instead of try to then fill in some blanks okay. for people. I, I thought that that whole experience in the bunker mm-hmm. would have would have been fine Enough. on its own. I just felt it was a nice way to tie off the arc and that you're, you're saying, well, this person is a fighter. And this a person. This you know, this person is going to continue to fight. And 
I thoroughly mm. enjoyed the ending. So anyway, we should we should probably stop there. Um, and it doesn't really have anything to do with Cloverfield at all. No, that's that's made perfectly clear by the fact that it's obviously set years after Cloverfield. Uh-huh. No, it's nothing to do with Cloverfield, but nonetheless, I thought it was very good. Which is a bonus. Yes, yes you did not like Cloverfield. I thought it was excellent. Um, but I, t- I told yeah. you that there was the uh, the reference at the start um, to Slusho. Yeah, which the is company from the viral advertising. Yep, so, yes. So, anyway, that is uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. So, guys, um, thank you very much. There's another reference as well. What's that? Uh, John Goodman's character worked on military satellites. And the envelope from the company that he worked for shows that it's a company that's also related to the viral ad- viral advertising for Cloverfield. Ah, excellent. There we go. That's that's off the internet. I didn't spot that very one. Very cool. Okay, guys. Well, thank you very much indeed for listening. We do appreciate it. Um, I hope you've enjoyed uh, episode 78 of Gavin Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast. Um, we do intend to be back. Um <laughs> it would be it would be nice if we could be. Um yeah, so we've got to do the Green Inferno. We certainly do. That would be that'll be a real treat. So hopefully that will be next week. Do you have the film, Gil? I do, I just haven't watched okay, it. Okay, cool. Well we shall we shall reconvene and do that next week. Um in the meantime, guys, please uh if you can, please leave us some feedback on iTunes. Um, we do appreciate it, and it helps to get the show out there, particularly since we've been off there for a wee while. Any assistance in getting the show out there is much appreciated. Um, as always, you can find us on Facebook at Gil and Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast. As ever, we're on Twitter. I, myself, am at Bodacious Horror, and my dear friend Gil Rockman Rock is at... Not trusted to run the Bodacious Horror account. <laughs> <laughs> Gil Rockatowski yes. on the Twitter. Yes, and we no longer have a website, <laughs> is what Gil was alluding to there. But there will be uh, at one point or another. Um, so I'll build a new website. If I build it, they will come. Absolutely. So, guys, thank you very much once again for listening. We really do appreciate it. And with that, we are gone. Please don't have nightmares. Goodbye. And this is a song by Louis Barabbas that I like to play to my baby. <laughs> Your baby? My, my Louis baby. If you sleep, if you sleep, don't dream. But if you dream, dream one little thing for me. Not wars, not glory or applause. There'll be time for these, of course. But for now, dream little things. Shrink the world to a single bed Let the thoughts that swirl round your head All slow, slow, slow Because one day Bigger things will get in the way And you'll find they're here to stay And you've no more time For little things And discern, and the world will turn and turn and take you far, far away from me. And you may laugh, 
You may someday think I'm dark, but the memories you'll soon have will someday take my place, you'll see. So before your past accumulates, and while you still so few yesterdays to pull you down, don't fret, don't frown, don't feel regret. Nothing matters much just yet, so enjoy the little things. When the sun yawns and draws down the blinds, don't you dare grow up during the night. 'Cause you've no words to absorb all that occurs. There's no need to feel disturbed while you're still a little thing. 